0: I could quit right now. I don't know if y'all want to. But I know that you came to hear from the Lord, as did I. And trust that we will. In fact, we already have. <clears throat> Justin, did you pick out the songs this morning? Carla did, Carla did. okay. Well, Carla and Justin and Mike and everybody that's involved in the worship team, I want to tell you, you're, you're definitely hearing from the Lord. Uh, the words to some of the songs we sang are going to fit right in. You're going to see that as we go along. And I didn't talk to them in advance. They had no idea what I was going to talk about. But we're going to, we're going to hear from the Lord in a way that He is going to be everything. Now that's a cliche that's easy to say. But I, I believe you're going to hear that word. I want you to hear that word. Because if we're going to be changed, if we're going to go out of here different, it's not because we're going to make up our mind to be different. I, I've tried that. Have y'all? How many of you have heard a good sermon and, and you walk out intending to be different? Jerry has, I, I, I realize, and Dennis. I've tried it for many years. And I have I really mean it when I go out of here. Doesn't ever seem to happen though. Doesn't happen. Before I start though, I need to give you a word, a prophetic word from the Lord. And this is to each of you individually. This is not to the body collectively, it's to each of you individually. He says, I look upon you right now and I'm amazed because I see you and my son capable of everything that I could wish for you to do and that I could wish for you to be. Because you see, I have imparted to you In fact, I have imputed to you all that you need. Most of you do not hear this word in faith because you know yourself and you know what's deep down in you. But I, the Lord, say to you, I see what's deep down in you also, and I still declare that you are capable of. And you are gifted. And in my Son there is no limit to what you can do and what you can be. And I would ask of you, my child, this day to begin to see through my eyes. For I am the only one who sees correctly. I am the only one who sees you as you really are. Now, you need to change the way you see you, so that you see you as I do. And then you will be a man or a woman of faith in me. And that faith in me, says the Lord, will empower you to do the mighty deeds that I've called you to do. And you will know then that I am the Lord. I am the master of your life. And I rule in all the affairs of men that you're a part of. Amen. Well, let's start off in Isaiah 53. I know that we hardly ever go to that chapter, but it's important. Actually, we've been in that chapter many times. As you know... Our pastor uses that a great deal. And I want to look at one verse there, verse 6. Isaiah 53, verse 6. The prophet says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's talking about Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That, That says that as sheep we have all gone astray. And he describes going astray as turning everyone to his own way. Turning to his own way. There's another scripture in Judges 21 verse 25 that says this, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Notice both of those verses talk about self, about our own way and our own what's right in our own eyes. When the prophet Isaiah spoke of every man going his own way, he basically brought into full focus all of the sin of mankind. Going our own way is the essence of sin. When I say that I have sinned, when I say... I'm a sinner. And that's what every one of us are in our old nature. Then I am essentially saying, I've gone my own way. I've walked in my personal rights. How many of you have heard in your lifetime that you deserve the best? You have rights that you should exercise and that you should be your own person. Probably all of us in one form or another have heard that. And it it stirs up something in you when you hear that. It stirs that, that thing that says, I can be somebody. I can be valuable and important. But what that really is, is the essence of the very thing by which we fell it's the essence of sin in fact it is the nature of sin the old nature that we talk about a great deal in here is by its own character sinful it fell it is the nature that was in adam that fell By by committing sin. And it fell and became something that he didn't want to be, and none of us want to be either. But it happened. We ended up there anyway. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 3. James 3. Verse 14, James describes this nature when he says in verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Now, I I read out of the English Standard Version there because it uses the better translation in the phrase, selfish ambition. And that's the word I want to focus on. He says, "If, if that's what's in you, if that's what's motivating you, then you're going you're gonna to end up in, in uh, a place you don't want to be. He says it brings forth disorder in every vile practice and is demonic. But the, but the focal point of what he's saying there is selfish ambition or self. It has to do with self. What I'm talking to you about today is Self. Now, that's nothing new to you because everybody, every, all of you know one of those. All of you know one of those guys called self. Don't you? In fact, you know him pretty well. So what I'm telling you is not new to you, but I think it is exposing some things. He is, by definition, self-centered. The essence... Of the old nature is self centered. In fact, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll just see that uh, what I'm saying here Ephesians 4, verse 22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation or the former behavior the old man or the old nature. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That's Paul's description of that old nature. The old nature is corrupt. Or, in other words, the old nature, the old man, is self-centered. He is corrupt because he is self-centered. He is focused on me. self He's called the old man, or some versions use the word nature, the old nature. He is corrupt because he is centered on himself. All that he focuses on, all that he lives for, all that he does in life is to somehow better self, to bring honor and reward to self so that he can Feel like He's accomplished something. Feel like He's a better person than God says He is. Now, there's another side to this. In Hebrews, if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm reading again in this English Standard Version, verse 7, Christ came along, and, and there's something said about Christ that flies in the face of what I've just been talking about. It's very different and opposite of what I've just described as our old nature. In, in uh, Hebrews ten seven, <clears throat> Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book, When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to law. Then he added, Behold, (coughs) I have come to do your will. He does away with the first covenant in order to establish the second. So I'm self-centered, going my own way, trying to build me up. And Christ comes along and acts totally different. That's why they didn't like Jesus when He came along, because He didn't act like they did. His behavior was very, very different than what all of them were, including the most religious people of the day. The church people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were clearly what we would call today the religious in crowd. But Jesus comes along and He acts very different. He acts and behaves in a way that does not conform to what they were. And, and we just read that and, and He has described there one primary phrase where it says, I came to do your will, God. See, He didn't come to do His own will. He could have. He had that choice, just like we all do. But He didn't. He came to do the will of God. In fact, doing the will of God was not just His performance. It was literally His nature. You see, He didn't have the same old nature that I do. Jesus didn't have the inclinations I do to serve me and to look out for me. He didn't live a hasty kind of life that was trying to build up myself. Instead, he lived to do the will of God. And that's really the only motivation he had. Now, how does that affect me? Well, it affects me when I make the exchange. Because what is the exchange? It's simply exchanging my old nature my behavior, the way I did things, for His. He offered me Himself. And isn't that what we sing about in the songs? That He is everything. It's all about Him. So when when I made the exchange, my old nature for His, that equals... What we call my new nature. My new man. The regenerated me. I am, the Bible says, a new creation. It goes on to say, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You all know that, right? Right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. So, I have a new life as a Christian. As a born again, started all over Christian. I have a new life. And that life, the Bible says, is not my own. For it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, it's not I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's me started all over. That's a new me. That's a new nature. And that nature is after the order of His nature. And His nature is to do the will of God. His nature is to live In somebody else's will. A very good example of this is is in Acts. And that's Paul. Paul, when it comes to being religious, when it comes to keeping the law, he said of himself that he was blameless. I don't know anybody else can make that claim, do you? That when it comes to keeping the law, you're blameless? But he said that. He went so far as to be a persecutor of the church, of those who called themselves Christians. He was wreaking havoc by getting orders from the high priest to go and arrest these people and put them in prison. That's how bad Paul was. Yeah, (laughs) he was pretty bad. But in Acts chapter 8 and then again in chapter 9, something happened to Paul. There was a sudden light that shone from heaven and struck him down and blinded him. And from that experience and a couple of days later, God made it clear to him that he had called him to be a minister of the gospel. And this same Paul, who by the way, previously his name had been Saul... This same guy who wreaked havoc in the church no longer wreaked havoc in the church. In fact, his whole life became to do the will of God. You and I are no different. Paul is no different than we are. He was a man of the flesh. But... A living God confronted him. And when he did, Paul never was the same again. Most of you have been confronted by that same God. Some of you, a long time ago. But actually, you've been confronted by that same God more recently than that, because... He doesn't just come and confront you one time. He's in your life every day if you'll let Him. And He confronts things in your life every day. And if things need to be different, He'll make them different. So you've been confronted by that God. That same God that struck Paul down with a shining light from heaven. And when you've been confronted, you have encountered the living God... And after that, you're not the same. Nobody comes into the presence of Almighty God and leaves the same. Nobody. We can say we do. But if you say you do, and you really mean it, then I question whether you've encountered the living God. He's not like us. He's not a man that He should lie or cheat, or try to do good and fail. He's God. And He's God in us. And this same Paul, and the old nature that he had, and Lee, and Ross, and Patty, and Linda, and everybody in this room, we deal constantly with this thing called self. The old nature. Now I'm going to say something about self that I want to expand on. Self is the diabolical enemy of the new me. There you go. And of the cross. He is the enemy. He is the thing that is my greatest hindrance to walking in the spirit. Now let's examine what that means there. I want to go to Romans chapter 14, if you want to turn there. There's something that, that I think reveals a key to us in dealing with this, this nature. And I'll start off by saying this. Every effort of man to keep the law is sin. Every effort of man to keep the law is sin. Well, that's a pretty strong statement. It's a pretty broad statement. Maybe it's a little too broad. But I think you'll see from Scripture that it's true. Every effort of man to keep the law is sin. And why is that? Why would every effort of man... To keep the law, make it sin. Why would that be true? And the answer is simple. Because it's not of faith. Look at Romans fourteen twenty three. <clears throat> and he that doubteth is damned or condemned if he eats. Because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. The reason the effort of man to keep law is sin because it's not of faith. You don't try to keep the law. You don't try to be good. You don't try to do what's right in faith. You do it trying to exalt yourself. You do it trying to please God or trying to... Get men's approval. I mean, don't, wouldn't you like it if, if your husband or wife or, or your pastor or anybody says, you're, you're pretty good. You're a pretty good boy. You're doing good. You're going to make it. In fact, you're real good. Maybe you ought to be a preacher. <laughs> you know, we would like that, wouldn't we? But that effort... Is not of faith. And according to the scripture, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now let's let's look at what he's saying here and what he's what he's opening up to us. First of all, there's no such thing as just faith. Now everybody has faith. The Bible says every man is given the measure of faith. Everybody has faith. But there's no such thing as just faith. Faith has to have an object. If you say you have faith, you have faith in something. Let me give you an example. Uh, Most of you in here are old enough to drive a car. You get in that car and you go down the highway 70 miles an hour. Some of you go a little more than that, don't you? But the reason you're willing to take that chance of going 70 miles an hour and meeting trucks and cars passing you going just as fast is because that car has brakes. And you have faith in those brakes. You really do believe that when you hit that brake pedal, it's going to stop that car. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't get out there on that highway and go 70 miles an hour. I promise you, you wouldn't do it. Because it would be too big of a risk. And you wouldn't take that risk. But because you have faith in those brakes, you'll do it. Faith has to have an object. And if you look in the Scripture, there's a number of occasions where... It specifically says, have faith in God. The best I know is in Mark 11, after Jesus had cursed the fig tree. And they came back the next day and it was withered up. And the disciples said to Jesus, wow, look at that. You spoke to that tree yesterday and cursed it and it's already withered. And we all know the the story where Jesus says... Well, if you have faith, you'll say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will obey you. But you know what he said before that? Have you ever read the, the end of, I think it's verse 22? He says, Have faith in God. He doesn't just say, Have faith. He says, Have faith. Faith has to have an object. A lot of us have faith in ourself or faith in some leader. Or faith in the brakes on our car. Or faith that when we go out here as a farmer and plant a seed, that seed is going to come up and produce a harvest. You would never plant a seed if you didn't believe that it was going to produce a harvest. Or maybe we have faith that the sun's going to rise in the east. And why do we have faith? Because it's happened and we've seen it many times. We have faith. Faith has to have an object. Faith in the Bible, and with reference to the Scripture we just read, as well as most Scriptures, when it speaks of having faith, the implication, if it doesn't say it exactly, the implication at least is to have faith in God. And not just faith. So, a best, better way to read that is this. He that doubts, which means to separate thoroughly from God, is condemned if he eats, because he eats not of faith. For what is not of faith in God is sin. It's very important that you understand God's telling us to have faith in Him. Sin... It's sin because it's not believing. Well, what are we supposed to believe? Well, we're supposed to believe that God approves. That God is in it. In what? In whatever it is I'm going to do. I have to do it in faith that God approves. That God led me to do it. It's, that's the kind of faith Jesus had when He came to do the will of God. He had faith that God was going to lead him and empower him to do it. And it would be the will of God when He did it. That's what it is. The Amplified Version says it very well. I want to read that to you. Verse, same verse. But the man who has doubts, misgivings, and uneasy conscience about eating... And then he eats, stands condemned before God, because he is not true to his convictions, and he does not act from faith. For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Parenthesis, whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. So when we talk about doing things in faith... We talk about believing that God's leading me to do them. We're talking about believing that I'm not acting on my own here. But the God of the whole universe is behind me. And that I am acting in faith in God. Now, let me let me contrast that with what I talked about earlier. I talked about the self. Here, here's what most of us do when we read that Scripture. We read it to talk about man's effort and me doing things in faith, but my faith is in myself. When I, when I do things in faith in myself... I'm doing what the Bible calls rebuilding what I previously destroyed. When I came to the Lord, something was destroyed. What was it? Romans 6, six calls it the body of sin. It was crucified with Christ. And I was set free from bondage. I want to tell you about myself, and maybe this fits some of you. I grew up being taught Many times, being trained in a way of life that I could best describe as self-confidence. The word self-confidence was thrown at me from every direction. I was told that I could do anything. Now, they were well-meaning people. My parents, many teachers, they, had, they were well-meaning. They thought that was helpful to me. They thought that was encouraging to me. And I took it that way. I was told to be self-confident. I thought being self-confident was pretty close to being godly. Y'all laugh. I'm I'm really taking it serious. I really thought being self-confident was the end thing. In fact, it worked. Because when I was self-confident... then I became a leader, and people would follow me, and they would do what I thought they ought to do. Because everybody's looking for a leader. And somebody that acts like he knows what he's doing and has confidence in himself, they'll follow. Y'all are shaking. Y'all know that, don't you? You've probably done it. Then, as when I was in college, I became a Christian. I became a believer. And a lot of things changed right immediately, but, but that didn't change. I kept on believing in myself. Now, I renamed it because I found something in the Bible that made me rename it. I started calling it faith. But it was still faith... In me. See, I called it self-confidence before. It was still the same thing. I just called it something different. I called it faith. Now, I didn't say in myself, but that's what I meant. Now, y'all don't be so prude out there. Some of y'all are just like me. Some of y'all have done the same thing, had not you? Some of you thought you were pretty cool, didn't you? Some of you even thought you were doing God a favor to become a Christian. You ever thought about that? You think you're doing God a favor to become a Christian? See, faith in self, which is what I, I had, is really no faith at all. In fact, it's, it's what we would call feelings. It's based on... My experience. I believe in myself to the point that I've experienced it and therefore I'm an expert and I can go forward and and hope other people will follow me. But there's one problem with feelings and with experience being the basis of faith, and that is it may be wrong. You will learn a lot from your own experience. In fact, most probably of what you've learned in life came from your experience. But I'm going to tell you something that God very clearly told me one day. You will learn from your experience, but much of what you learn will be incorrect. It will be wrong. Because it's based on feelings, it's based on self-exaltation, and it's not based on the Word of God. Have you ever read something in the Word of God that slaps you in the face and you thought something was the way one way and the Word of God says it's different? Well, which one's going to change? Most people say the Word of God's got to change, but it's not going to. There's no selfish... No selfish pleasure offers joy, excitement... And fulfillment. Rather, it ends in regret and lonesomeness. Let me say that again. No selfish pleasure offers lasting joy, excitement, and fulfillment. Rather, it ends in regret and lonesomeness. For it's based on faith in self. And that makes it sin. There's another thing about self that I think all of us can relate to. Self likes to do. Self is a doer. Self always is wanting to do something. It's always trying to gain profit for self by doing something. Jesus encountered this in John chapter 6, verse 28. These are well-meaning people. These are people who want to follow Him. These are people who are listening to Him and hearing Him preach. And they like what they hear. And in John six twenty-eight, Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. That's all. That's all they told, He told them to do. But in our we are constantly wanting to do. Doing is the way of fulfillment for self. Now, why is that? Why do you want to do something for yourself. Well, because if you can accomplish by doing, then that makes you feel good about yourself. That makes you feel like you've done something. It makes you feel worthy. You've all done that. You all work and do things with your hands or, or do things uh, driving a tractor. or, or you. Uh, it could be anything. But you look back on your work and you see... Accomplishment doing good. it brings recognition, it brings honor, it brings approval, it brings a feeling of self-worth. But if you'll flip back a chapter to John chapter five, verse 44, he says an alarming thing here. He says something that I did not like when I first saw it. John 5:44 says, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? You see, if you're going to have faith in God, if you're going to believe in God, then you can't be seeking the honor of men. He says, how can you believe when you seek the honor of men, when you seek the honor that comes from one another? rather than the honor that comes from God alone. He's basically saying you can't walk in faith, you can't believe, if that's the way you're going to go. Okay, then why is it important that we believe? Why is believing so important? Jesus apparently thought it was pretty important. He told these people who asked Him, what should we do that we might work the works of God? We've asked that question, haven't we? God, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything you tell me. Anything. And we really mean it. Although we hadn't really thought it through. Most of us have kind of a, a list on the side that we, we hope He doesn't say. We hope He leaves that list alone. And if He does say it, we struggle. We struggle. But we really mean it. God, what do you want us to do? And he answered right here when he said, This is the work of God that you believe on the one he has sent. So why is believing so important? Because believing is the way of fulfillment in Christ. As a new creation. And by the way, that's, that's what you are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You can't leave that part out. You're not a new creation because you prayed a prayer. You're a new creation because you're in Christ. If you're you're born again, if you're born anew of a new seed, you're a new creation, but that new creation only exists... In Christ. He does not even exist on its own. If I'm on my own, I'm in the old man. I cannot be the new man, the new nature, except I be in Christ. So believing is the way to fulfillment in Christ. Y'all ought to be shouting... That's important. If you want to live fulfilled as a Christian, as a new creation, you have to do it in Christ. And he said, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it by believing. And, And what have we learned about believing? Believing has to have an object. And that object has to be God himself. I have to believe in him. Not in myself, but in Him. And my faith, then, will empower me to do that which I could not do. In fact, what does the Bible say about the self? What are we supposed to do with the self? In Matthew sixteen twenty-four, He says, Jesus said to the disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him what? Deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's what it says. Pretty clear instruction. Deny himself. What does that mean? It means, I refuse to do, but instead believe. I refuse to do the way of the old nature, which is doing... And instead, I choose to believe, which is the way of the new nature. But that believing has to be in God, not in myself. I can call it faith. I don't, I don't know if you're getting this, but get this at least. All of us that are hearing this message are probably calling ourselves believers. And maybe we are. And what we mean by that is that we've prayed a prayer and we believe we're going to heaven when we die. But if you're going to let that impact the way you live here on the earth, then you're going to have to focus that faith on the one and the only one who can make a difference, and that's Christ Himself. That faith cannot be in yourself. Self-confidence doesn't work. It doesn't bring you where you want to be. So I have to refuse to do, but believe instead. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't go out of here saying, well, Steve said you shouldn't do anything. That's not what I'm saying. Let me make it very clear. When it comes to walking in the Spirit, you're not going to do it by what you do. You're going to do it by what you believe. So I'm not saying to be lazy or irresponsible. What I am saying is, be not conformed to this world, but be renewed in the Spirit of your mind. What does that mean? That that means to repent of doing to accomplish. And instead, start believing, which equates to doing in obedience. There's a big difference in doing to accomplish and doing to obey. You are to do, but don't do to accomplish. Don't do to exalt self. Don't do in faith toward yourself. Don't do in self-confidence. Rather, recognize that you are dead. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And the only doing you're even capable of doing because you're dead is that you're now alive through a resurrected life that is His life living in you And the life that you now live in this flesh is not your life, but His. And all you can do in that nature is to obey. Is to do the will of God. You cannot do the will of self in the new nature. You can only do the will of God. And that is obedience. So repent of your doing to accomplish. And start believing which is doing to obey. And I'm not... This, I, you probably think I'm telling you 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 got you to gotta get real hard on yourself. No. This, this way of life is not sad or to be pitied. But it is a vibrant and a free lifestyle and mindset. It is not without pleasure. But that pleasure is fulfilled in Him. He works in us both to will and to do of what? His good pleasure. There's a big difference. According to Hebrews 3, doers don't rest, but believers rest. Doers don't rest, but believers do rest. Hebrews chapter 3 I'm sorry, chapter 4 and verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. And down in verse 11 he says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Doers don't rest, but believers do. Self-centered doers only think and act in their own interest. And there's one motive for that. Pride. I must, as the, the Scripture in Matthew says, I must lose myself. You see, to the songs we sang, self cannot be God. We're not in this thing for God to bless me as God, He has to be God. I have to let Him be God in my life. Amen. Now, He's God anyway. He is God, whether I agree with it or not. That's right. But He's not going to be God in my life if I don't let Him. And that's because He's given me free choice. He could, He could have made me a puppet. And then He'd be God in my life, whether I liked it or not. But He didn't. He gave me choice. So He is God, and He is God in my life, if I let Him. I'm not going to turn to these, but there's scriptures, one in Genesis eight twenty one that tells us, In myself, my heart is literally turned against God from my youth. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Most people in this world do not believe that about themselves. They don't believe they're the nasty, stinking person that they are. But the Bible says they are. You know, until we understand and believe what the Bible says about us, that we are deceitful, We are desperately wicked, and from our youth we have been turned against God. That is the nature of the old man. He hates God. Did you know you hated God? I've heard people say, I've walked with God all my life. No, you haven't. In fact, some of us still don't. We hate God. If we insist on living in our old man, in the nature of the flesh then God is our enemy. And we hate God. The Bible, the carnal mind is at enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. It can't do it. The old self is wicked and deceitful. But the new life, the life that I now live, is not my life. It's His life in me. It's not self. He is in control. He is God. He is the Master. I've exchanged that old life, that one that hated God, for, for His life. And when I've done that, then I fear Him and not man. I don't fear what man can do to me, but I fear God when He truly is the Lord in my life. Now, if I'm serious about walking in the new nature, walking in the Spirit of God, regularly, daily, as I go about doing my work, as I go about living life, if I'm serious about that, then I have to know and obey God's will instead of my own. I have to have confidence in Him instead of me. See, what I've... Taught you this morning is that you got to have faith, but don't stop there. You have to have faith in Him. You probably do have faith in you. Most of us do. We've we've learned to count on ourselves. That's all got to change. That's all got to go away, because I am dead. I've been crucified. But I now live a resurrected life. That means I started all over. I have to look to the Word of God as the source of the truth that I believe. I have to abandon the self-centered, substitute Gospels that are out there in the world. And there's plenty of them. That exalt the old man and make us feel good. And they're not of God. They're not from the Word of God. Because the Word of God tells me to deny self-centered ambitions. But to rely upon the Holy Spirit in me. Who guides me, empowers me, and fulfills me. How do I do that? By faith in Him. By believing Him. The real gospel is this. It is God-centered. It's not self-centered. It's God-centered. It is Christ-exalting. And it is self-denying. That's the real gospel. That's the message of the Bible. That's the one I have to believe if I'm going to believe God's way. I have to line up the way I think, the way I believe, with His. He's not going to change. I'm not going to convince Him to see it any different. I'm not going to persuade God to see it my way. I have to see it His way. That's That's the real gospel. It may or may not feel right, but that doesn't matter. That's why He gave us the Bible. So that we would have a standard that precluded all the ages, that undermined all of the years of self being exalted and give us a liberty that we can stand fast in He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That yoke of bondage is self-confidence. But the liberty that it speaks of is confidence, faith in God. Okay. You're going to have to meditate on that, son. I've thrown a lot at you. You ought to go read the Scripture. You ought to get the tape and listen to it. And 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 if you want the Scriptures, I'll give them to you. They're not anything unique to me. I don't have a patent on anything. It's the Word of God. It's for you. You take it. You study it. You let the Lord speak by the Holy Spirit to you. And... and Straighten out some things that that may have just been lined up a little wrong in you. I'm not sitting here telling you I've done all that. But I see it. And in faith, in Him, I'm moving that way. Sometimes that doing in the self feels good. It doesn't feel bad to to do. But it's, it's all messed up. It doesn't doesn't produce anything. He wants us to be free. Sometimes when you're free, if you're like me, it make you feel kind of lazy, kind of irresponsible, very inefficient. You know, one of the hardest things I've heard God to say is, that's okay. I'll be sitting there doing nothing, and God says, that's okay. Oh, God, you don't mean that. It's okay to do nothing. Yeah. It is. Well, Lord, we just ask You to let the Word fall into our hearts and that You make those hearts good ground. That You bring forth Your fruit in Your season. And that our lives truly be the new man that, that we are. Letting You rule, letting you be God over our lives. Lord, we give you permission to lead us in ways that are difficult for us, in ways that we're not sure we can do in order to give us training in faith that you will do them. We really want to be vessels in your hand, Lord. And we ask you to take us in a surrendered state and work through us and live through us and use us however you want. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Okay.